When Dr. Bill Taylor was nearly 60, he tried windsurfing and was hooked. It led to lots of adventures and to love. I'm Diane Atwood, and you're listening to Conversations About Aging. I'm traveling the state of Maine, interviewing people 60 and older about their perspectives on aging. At 97, Bill has a lot of insight. We sat down at the kitchen table in one of his most favorite places, his summer camp. And among other things, he reminisced about his childhood, why he decided to become a doctor, and how windsurfing led to love. I think you're going to enjoy my conversation about aging with Dr. Bill Taylor, age 97. Welcome to Conversations About Aging, and I am in the most beautiful spot in the world at this moment, overlooking Ossipee Lake. I am overlooking Ossipee Lake in East Waterboro. Am I in East That's Waterboro? That's correct. Well, actually, Waterboro Center, but they're calling it East Waterboro for the post office. That's all. So this cabin is pretty, pretty neat, and you're right on the water. Did you build this yourself? Yeah, we had it built in 1990. My grandmother bought this land, you won't believe it, in 1906 for $50. Can you imagine that? Right on the lake? Right there, 50 bucks. <laughs> no, I can't believe it. But nobody had houses back then. So it's worth, I think it's 100,000 bucks now, probably. Probably more, lakefront property. Oh, yeah. So did your grandparents build something here? Has there always been something on well, the land? When you when you drove this way, there's a house there called it Levitt Fry Taylor House. That was my great-grandfather's house right there. And now the town has it, and it's a museum. So all the old furniture, all the old stuff, we kept it right there. So the town has the whole thing. So this is a museum of your family? Or? Yeah, my family. So you've got a pretty famous family. <laughs> We're just local. <laughs> But what makes your family famous, other than just being local? Well, all I know is my this, this my great grandfather used to make clothing, and they made, made suits and stuff like that, and they sent them to Boston. That's how he made a living. Made a good living. Yeah, and he was living in Saco at the time, and he was here in, in the winter some of the time. He was here on the lake in the winter when most people. They wait till summertime to come to no, the No, he, he, he was in and out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> did you spend summers up here as a kid? I did. From ni I'm, nine, I'm 97. So 1922, that's when I, the year I was born, the first time I came here. I don't remember that. <laughs> but I do remember I was here. I've been doing this summertime forever. Well, tell me about some of the summers when you were a boy. What did you love about being here? Well, the big thing, the local thing, is this jumping in the lake and fishing. Those are the two things. And we, there's a mountain over here, Cullen Mountains, a big hill, that's all it is. But uh, the blueberries would be out there a lot. There used to be raspberries and blueberries, so we used to go picking all the time. That was fun. And there's a tower on the top, a fire tower, there for, you know, just look out just in case there is a fire. So we used to climb that all the time. And at my grandfather's house, I'll have to show it to you later, but my brother and I took a compass and we aimed it right at the top of the mountain, went right through the pucker brush everywhere. It was kind of fun. You know, you, kids these days wouldn't be allowed to do some of those things, like climbing that fire tower. Did your mom and dad know that you were doing that? 
I don't think they did know. And you lived to tell the tale, lived to 97. Well, they're, they're pretty tolerant parents. <laughs> In fact, they were, they, were, they were very thorough people, but they let us do every kind of thing. I'm, I'm amazed how much we could do. But isn't that kind of what it used to be like? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and we, we, when I was a kid, we, we lived in Falmouth, Maine, which is a town that's totally, totally changed. You, you wouldn't even know it's the same place anymore. And there's a woods across the street from where we were. We used to go in the woods, and we made tree houses and, you know, lean-tos and cabins and all sorts of stuff. And I don't think the folks even knew what we did. So I've heard stories. I think it happened, you know, I grew up in the 50s and was sort of like that. You'd yeah. say goodbye in the morning and yeah. be back in time for lunch or supper. Yeah, my grandma, my mother had a call called you, and she was so loud we could hear it. <clears throat> so we'd come to lunch, so she'd get us in that way. How many brothers and sisters did you have? I had two brothers. And where were you in the mix? I was the oldest, the eldest, oldest. <laughs> Whatever. So did that mean that you had special duties? Were you in charge of your younger brothers, or were no, you all no, equal? No, no, we were all equal. <laughs> now, I happen to have two daughters, and I remember reading somewhere in some book about raising children Yeah. that it's easier to raise boys because when they get mad at each other, they just fight it out and they're done with it. Well, I had one brother we used to, we used to fight a little bit, but the other fellow, he's a doctor as well, and <clears throat> he ended up in Maryland, but the two of us got along real well. And my other brother sort of went his own way. It was all right. It worked out okay. Because y'all re always remained friends? Are they still alive? No, neither one is. You have outlived both of your younger brothers. That's right. <laughs> well, one of them had diabetes <clears throat> and had a stroke. And the other one had something else. It's an amyloid disease. You probably never heard of it. But it's a kind of a disease that slowly gets into your body, and his clipped into his heart, and it also get into his intestines, so it slowly caught up with him. Is that the same thing that happens in your brain with people who get Alzheimer's? Amyloid plaques or something? Oh, that, yeah, that, that, that's different. The amyloid disease is, is all over the place, not just your brain. Oh, interesting. What's it like to lose your siblings? I know that sounds like a very idiotic question, but well, it must be awful. Always had, always had, and I was there for both of them when they did die. I went down there to see them, and it was it was it was tough, and all their family was right with them near the end, so it was a very hard thing to put up with. It really was. And how long ago was that? Well, my second brother died about three years ago, and the other one died about eight years ago, one of the amyloid. He died about eight years ago. So they did both live to be, in, at least, what, in their 80s? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about your parents? How, how old were they when they died? 88. <laughs> so are you the longest living relative, or did, are there other people back well, As home? I know, I, I outlived them all. <laughs> kind of lonely, too, you know, because after a while, all of your best friends have gone. So, at 97, you've lost a lot of people that you love. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I had a bunch of kids I went to grade school with, and I, w I was with them for a long time, but they all, they've all passed, too. 
I have one that's still around. And is still in great shape like you? No. <laughs> Can this friend carry on a conversation, or is that friend independent? Yeah, he can. He, he didn't want to get out and do anything, so I haven't, I haven't seen him this year. So that's interesting, because you're a guy who wants to get out and keep on doing things. Yes, I do. What motivates you? I'm a curious guy. I'm, I like to be curious about everything. And I think positive all the time. That's my way of thinking. I don't get depressed ever. Never? Not even when you're feeling lonely or missing your loved ones? No, I don't let it happen. Oh, I know. My wife died. That was tough. Yeah, she had one of these aneurysms in her head. And she lived about 13, 14 days. Slowly down, down, down. It was really sad. You almost started to cry just then. Well, I, 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 felt, I felt bad about her. Yeah. So that's been the hardest one for you to accept. Yeah. She and I were actually uh, champion windsurfers. Maybe you don't know that. I did hear a rumor, and I have seen a few pictures, I think, at least one picture. So let's go back a little bit in time, because this is not your first wife, right? Correct. Okay. We'll go, to, we'll go way back in a minute, but let's, okay. let's go to how you two met. Oh, yes, you, you probably heard about that one. Anyway, she's a windsurfer, and so am I. I went out in the back cove, and if the tide is right, you can windsurf right there. And I went over to a Payson Park, I don't know if you know where that is, and they had, a, they had a gathering right there of all the windsurfers, so I went over, and there was my wife, Maggie. But you hadn't met yet? <laughs> hadn't met. That's how we met. How old were you then? I don't know. 1980, oh, 80, something like that. Okay. And how did you know that she was the one? I don't know. We just all, just like that, we hit it off. And then, uh, <clears throat> but two weeks or so after that, I was at the gas station pumping gas, and she was there. And she said, you know, I'm going to Florida to learn to take a windsurf lesson. Do you want to go? So I took about two seconds and said, yeah, I'd like to go too. <laughs> so she went and I flew down and met her. And we spent a week, that's how we really got acquainted. And it worked out great. It was a lady who used to live right here in Portland and gave windsurf lessons. Down in Florida. So you both became... She had, she had lessons here and then went to Florida. Okay. Was what your wife's name was Maggie? Yeah, Maggie. Was she already a champ when she met you? Uh, she was a heck of a good sailor. I know that. We weren't. No, we didn't do any race competitions till we get to Florida. Oh, no, no, I'll take it back. We raced up the back. Raced up from Eastern Promenade to Shebeg Island and back. On a windsurfer. On a windsurfer. So tell me what. Tell me about windsurfing. What, how do you windsurf, and what's the draw? Okay, number one, the board is about 10, 12 feet long and has a little sail sticking up, and you stand on the board. You figure out where the wind is, and you can hold on to it. You have a boom you can hang a hold on to, and then if the wind gets real big, you have a strap that 
have a hook on my body right here. I have a strap that that'll help the weight of your body will hold you up, won't pull you over. So that's how we sail, and you have to figure out the wind because you you know can't go can't go sail right into the wind. You have to go one way or the other. And then you can turn around and go in the other way, and you pull the daggerboard up and whew. So is the draw just the the mental piece of it, knowing when to do what, the physical well, piece of it? Well, it turns out that my daughter I got married right here, and they had a reception after that, and somebody brought a windsurfing board and said, Come on, Dad, try it. So I got on the board, and I went about five feet and fell in, and I go another ten feet and fall in. But I said, I, I was hooked. I, 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 somehow, that was something I wanted to learn. When was that? Like, about how long before you met Maggie had you started windsurfing? Probably 1979, something, 1980. Okay. So you had been windsurfing for a number of years when you met Maggie. That's right. You already loved it. You didn't start loving it when you started loving Maggie. No, I was into it all the way. <laughs> What's it feel like when you're out there catching the wind just the right way? It's a kind of a freedom you can't get anywhere else. And you have to learn how to hold the sail just right. And you can see the, see the little waves coming up and down, look for some of the fish some of the time. I was in, I was in a race one time in Massachusetts, and a whole bunch of little, uh, what kind of fish were they? Doesn't matter, and, I, and I, we're in a race. And I stopped because they were so pretty to look at them. My wife said, Maggie, come on, get going. <laughs> and I came in last. <laughs> but you were happy. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. So how fast can you go? Oh, can you go about 20, 25. That's a lot of wind when you're going that fast. You've got to have good balance. You've got to have good concentration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you sail anyway? Did you already know how to sail a boat? I sort of knew it, but <laughs> when I was a kid, my uncle had a sailboat, a good-sized one, but I never sailed with him. I just was a passenger. But you like the feeling of being out there on oh, the water. Oh, absolutely. I can't do it anymore. I could sail in a straight line right now, but if I go to turn either way, I'm in the water. So what do you not have? Balance. Balance is it's terrible. And at what age did you start noticing that your balance wasn't good enough to be able to do it anymore? I, I, the last time I went to if I was age 92, and I just, I was in a race, and I came in last for sure, I mean really, I mean really last, that I just knew I could not stand the right way or anything else to, to race. It must have been difficult to give it up. Well, yeah, but I was at a point, I said, what the heck? <laughs> you were ready. I was ready, yeah. So tell me about being married to Maggie. Did you travel all over the place on your windsurfers? Oh, uh, we went in lots and lots of places. All along the east coast of USA, and we sailed one time in Oregon, a place called La Gorge. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's a place, the Columbia River has a place where it, the mountains come down like this, and there's a huge wind that comes right through there. And if you, you have to have a real small sail, and, and maybe you can do it, maybe you can't. And you did it. 
I did it, but I, you know, I got dumped off a couple times. So I just learned something else about windsurfers. They're they're not all cut the same. You've got different size sails on them. Yes, you do, and you have to figure out how much wind there is. The standard sail that I've been using is is seven five, which is seventy seven and a half square yards sail, and you get down as low as a four. But you have, you have to say it was a big, big, big win for that. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about Maggie because I have found that some people don't believe that love exists when you get older, that it's, especially if you've been married before and it's a good marriage and suddenly oh, you're yeah. alone. You get something right here. I'm gonna follow you in case you say something. That's Maggie. There she is right there. Always smiling. Oh, she is. You were married a long time, and you had more than windsurfing in common, obviously. It sounds oh, like yeah. you had a really happy marriage. We were into more things. We used to, uh, we were, had a job taking care of nursing homes in Florida. We were the ombudsman, if you know what that is. And we went to about 20, 25 homes down there and did that. And she was into some other kind of, she did all kinds of different stuff. We were we were in a choir in church. <laughs> so you did a lot of things Singing together. Singing a group together. Oh yeah. And what happened? Did she? You said that she got ill. She had an aneurysm. Yeah. She all of a sudden, right in my house, boom, and it, it went into you know it ruptured an artery in her head. So I brought her to the hospital. And over thirteen days, she just slowly went down, 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 and, and passed. And how many years have gone by now? 2011 she died, so that's what, eight, eight, years. eight years, yeah. And you're still kicking. <laughs> I'm still kicking, you're right. I don't understand, I had pneumonia last February, and I was in intensive care for three days. And did everybody think this is it? Well, a few people did, yeah. I didn't, though, I wouldn't let myself think that way. That's really interesting, because you still... Even though you were really, really ill, you had that fight. Yeah, not? sure, absolutely. I'm just going to be positive all the way. Do you worry about dying? Not a bit, not a bit. I love my brothers when he died. The day he died, he says, uh, it's either going to be nothing or it's going to be a wonderful adventure. And within hours he died. So it's either, either it's a wonderful adventure or it's nothing. Either way, it's okay. That's right. That's what it is. You don't have any choices <laughs> what you do. <laughs> I'd like to go back in time now. Okay. Okay, so you had a wonderful childhood. Yep, I did. And then you, somewhere along the line, you decided you wanted to be a doctor. Why? Oh, I, I, somehow or other, at age seven, somebody gave me a little doctor's bag and said, Dr. Busby on it. <laughs> I think that must have got me going right then at age seven. But anyway, for some reason or other, I said, that's what I want to do. And when I went to high school and I went to college, I took a biological science course and wanted to be a doctor. That's the way it worked out. And so you ended up being a general practitioner? Is that what they called yeah, you? Family doctor, general practitioner, yeah. Delivered babies. Sewed up cuts and stuff like that. 
I didn't do, I did, when I was in the Navy, I did a couple of appendectomies on a ship, but I didn't do any of those in that practice. So your practice was always in Falmouth? Correct. Did it turn out to be what you thought it would be? Are you glad that that's what you decided to be at seven years old? Yeah, I'm very glad I did that, yep. I've done a lot of things since I retired. I was 40 years in Falmouth being the doctor right there. But after that, I, I, I fill in at the Navajo Reservation and filled in at uh, one in uh, Bangor, what's the name of it? Penobscot. Penobscot and the Shoshones out in Nevada. So I did all that. That's wonderful. And this is after you retired. Did you after retire yeah. at the normal age that many people retired? 70-something. <laughs> I forget when. I'm getting forgetful. Are you just getting forgetful now? What I mean is now at 97? Oh, I'm, I'm a little bit forgetful all, you know, forever, but a little more so. It shows now that since that age of 90, for the last five years, I can tell the difference. And the other thing is quite different is my balance. Those two things, I have to be careful. I don't want to fall down. When you're younger, you got married and you had six kids. Yeah. And you had a, a, a practice in Falmouth. Those, those years, for me, those years of raising a family speed by. One minute you're having your first baby, and the next thing you know, you're sending your last baby off to college. <laughs> oh, yes. That's the first time when you find You consider yourself secure when you don't, don't have to pay any more mortgage on a house and you send all your kids to college. <laughs> that, to me, is real success. You can do both of those things. And all of your kids went on to be successful in their own way? Yeah, it's a different way, yeah. Yeah, different ways. I met your daughter, Martha. That's how we met, yeah. right? Okay. Is she the one that tries to keep you um, safe and make you toe the line? <laughs> oh, boy, I'll tell you. That's a good way of putting it. Do you mind really that your kids, especially Martha, sorry, Martha, but especially Martha, do worry about you and maybe they nag you a little bit? Oh, I'm used to that now. I can't, I'm able to parry the blows. <laughs> no, everything worked out okay. But somewhere along the line or somewhere in your brain, it must feel comforting to know that there is somebody who's that vigilant. Oh, yeah. Well, on my, like my birthday, we had a nice get-together. And I, had my, my, I got one son in Los Alamos and one in Florida. And three in Maine, all of them came for the birthday. It wasn't on my actual birthday itself, but it was in a few days of that. You like that. Family that support. Nice. They were all right here. We had a grill outside, and people jumped in the lake, and things like that. It was wonderful. Absolutely. When you're up here at the camp in the summertime, what do you do? Uh, I'm a golfer, and I got a kayak, so I do those two things. Do you do 18 holes? No, no, nine at a time. The nine's enough. And do you go every day or try to? No, I, right now, I was a, I was a bunch of us. We used to golf, golf together. And this one fella, he has a kidney disease. It was it's a congenital thing. And it's slowly, slowly failing. So he's on dialysis now. So he can't 
we can't get together him, with him very often. The other fella, uh, I tried to golf with him two weeks ago, and he was too tired to go golfing. So all my buddies have just left me, and uh, so I've done. I've been golfing with Martha and my daughter Nancy and her husband. So I've been doing that, and I hope to golf tomorrow with Martha. Well, thank God for family. So, oh, absolutely, because I'd go nuts if I'd love to be able to play golf. I'm a terrible golfer, but I don't care. <laughs> what a great attitude you have about just about everything. I mean, what the heck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I noticed behind you your laptop is open, so you don't shy away from technology. There are some people, as, age, as they age, they say, no, I don't want an iPhone or a computer I don't know what to do with them you have a laptop you're on Facebook yeah oh yeah I got all that why I like it and that's, that's the one thing about here I'm living alone this way you could you know keep in touch with people all the time so it's important for us to always be learning new things do you think I think it is I, I, I'm curious all the time was there a certain point when you realized oh I think I'm getting older now no I don't I just know what's happening but I don't think that way. But you just noticed, like, did you gradually start to slow down? You couldn't do some of the things you used to? Yeah, you weren't I, as strong? I used to walk from here to the store. I don't feel like doing that anymore. Things like that. So do you have secrets, do you think, to being able to live this long? Or how do you live your life? I mean, the number thing is, be, you know, don't sit around, number one. Be grateful all the time. Take some time to pick the daisies and really get out and do stuff. Stay curious. So staying curious is my big one. Do you ever feel lonely? I really don't. I get bored once in a while, but not lonely. That's a different thing. What about isolated? Do you feel isolated here? No, I really don't. Is there anything you appreciate about being 97? I'm glad I can think and all that stuff and meet people like you and know everybody else. I, I, I've enjoyed it. At the place I stay at the Highlands, there's about, what, 200 people there in the, in the main lodge. And I've met all kinds of people. It's just been very nice. So that was a good move for you to move into a place like that. Yeah. I, I re, quite a while I regretted it because... I had I was staying the last 26 years. I went to Florida for the winter. Well, in a way, I I, I I'd put that off for another year or two because I had a lot of friends right there. And are they all there, or have they gone now? No, that fast I know they're all there. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna go back and visit them sometime in October when it gets a little chilly here. I'm gonna think I gonna go down there. Before we say goodbye, is there any advice that you would like to share? I mean, you've got 97 years of wisdom. Well, the big thing is, don't sit around, keep moving. I think I told you this one. Think positive, spend some time picking the daisies, and be curious. And that's it. But I'm very thankful for my life. I really am. You've been listening to Conversations About Aging, a Catching Health special series. I'm Diane Atwood, and I've been talking with Dr. Bill Taylor, who's 97 years old. If you have anything to say about our conversation or any of my other conversations about aging, please let me know. Something resonated with you? Constructive criticism? You want to recommend someone to be interviewed? Or you'd like to be a podcast sponsor? Whatever. I want this podcast to make a difference in people's lives. 
If you're listening on a podcast app, write a review. If you're on the Catching Health blog, write a comment or send me an email, diane at dianeatwood.com. You'll find pictures of Bill, a written transcript of our interview, and other conversations about aging at catchinghealth.com. This podcast was made possible by Avida of Stroudwater, a memory care facility, and Stroudwater Lodge, an assisted living community, both in Westbrook, Maine. You'll find out more about them at northbridgecos.com. Many thanks to Smith Atwood Video Services for editing the podcast. See what else they have to offer at smithatwood.com. And a thank you to Tom Muser for his support. He's director of the Center for Excellence in Aging and Health at the University of New England.